highest level in the NBA, but there was anything there as intense as those Georgetown-Syracuse games that you played in? No. We're walking into legacies. You have to be fully aware of who came before you and what made it great in the first place. As we renew this outstanding rivalry, Georgetown 78 and Syracuse 71. It is a complete sellout in Syracuse and Georgetown. Syracuse and Georgetown. Georgetown and Syracuse. A rivalry renewed. Starting Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. Wow. Big deal. Dude, I have, I have a semi-chub right now. Oh my god. A little TMI, but <laughs> you know what? It's Georgetown Syracuse. I know. That's what you gotta do, man. It's the one game of the year that's worthy of it. Absolutely. You know, it's unfortunate that it's not actually at Capital One this year mm -hmm. because I always actually enjoy broadcasting a game when Georgetown fans actually come and yeah, watch the team. I know. It's a sight, right? It's but a sight. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to go to the Carrier Dome. I'm going to broadcast the game. And I'm going to get to experience a basketball game in a football dome. I know. That's going to be crazy, it, It's got to be crazy as a player stepping out. Yeah. But, yeah. Honestly, that's... I don't even want to try to put myself in their shoes. I'm so freaking fired up. Um, but yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Walking onto that court, 35,000 fans screaming, booing, and... Throwing some orange peels. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully not this time. Yeah, hopefully not this time. Um, but yeah. No bananas is... either. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that would be bad. But yeah, welcome back to DC's Take 5. Your two favorite hosts, Dan Baldwin, Carter Owen, back at it again. Holding it down. You know, there's no one really like us. No one else that knows as much about this team. No one else that has the passion, the fire, the icy, cool takes that we bring to the table. Oh, yeah. And we're ready to break it all down for you today. Oh, yeah. We're on the eve of uh, finals here at Georgetown, so we're really looking for something to procrastinate. And I think, I think we got a great episode in store, a lot to talk about for sure. Couldn't agree with that more, Carter. Just to give you guys a little bit of a heads up, we are going to be breaking down Georgetown's big-time win against the Liberty Flames this past Monday, and we're going to be previewing the biggest non-conference game of the season. As, as we said earlier, Georgetown travels up to upstate New York to take on arguably the school's biggest basketball rival in Syracuse. And with that, let's get to it. So thank God we can do podcasts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, save that for the shower. Hey man, you know, people always say I got a country, uh, I got a country singer music career ahead well, of me. Well, for those of you who don't know, his favorite singer is Luke Bryan. I do love me some Luke Bryan. Although I've been listening to uh, Meek Mill's new album. Oh yeah. Let me tell you something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't try to make that a podcast take. <laughs> it's like let me tell you something, guys. <laughs> I, the wordplay on this album. How does he speak so fast? I don't know. I haven't listened to it yet, so should I? It's aggressive. Yeah? There, I like two songs from it. 
Okay. There's one with 21 Savage, which is pretty good. I didn't like the one with Drake. All right. I really didn't like it. I thought it was pretty bad. I mean, granted, I'm not the biggest Drake fan. You know you're not the biggest Drake fan. Yeah, even despite what you said the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, but... We got... Yeah, twenty one. Yep. Jeremy. Oh, that's probably a good song. The one with P and B Rock Ooh, and Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's all. I guess it's it's Eagles themed, right? Championships. It's mm-hmm. got the. That's cool. Yeah. It. Uh, the intro is good. It's got like Phil Collins. You got confused. Oh, in the air tonight. Hold on. Playing in the background. Yeah. Oh, it gave me chills when I was Dead. at Yates uh, lifting. <laughs> Last thing you need is to oh. get in your feels during a workout. Oh, yeah. You know, just pointing out, I, I do lift. Oh, so yeah, he know. does lift. <laughs> he, he has to. He's short. I know. Um, I just look like a block. <laughs> yeah. What do uh, What do you think is worse, that song, or our choke last year against Syracuse? Oh. I mean, the third option is to kill yourself and not answer. The <laughs> key bridge is nearby. <laughs> yeah, dog. Let me tell you something, Carter. That choke really set. It set the standard, set the tone for literally the rest of our season. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it, the crazy thing is, as long as I've been here, it's happened once a year. Uh huh. I mean, my freshman year happened in Maryland, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what to expect. Like, I feel like it's gonna happen once. And it's there have been a couple times that were close, especially in the Liberty game when we started yeah. to talk about that. I was I was getting a little worried, but yeah, I I'm also worried that we're definitely going to know all of the words to welcome the DC by the end of the I guess season, whatever we end up doing with this mm-hmm. podcast. Oh, 100. percent Yeah, I'm already close to knowing yeah. the clip. Yeah, right we were fucking singing the the chorus together. <laughs> yeah. But back to the choke from last year. It was brutal. It was agonizing, especially because we took a double-digit lead with 10 minutes left. Yeah. And then two guys named O'Shea Brissett and Tyus Battle decided to show up late down the stretch. Yeah, man. Thank God they're not on the team this year, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God they're each not rounding into form right now. <laughs> Thank God Tyus Battle hasn't figured out how to shoot threes. Yeah, thank God O'Shea Brissett isn't a total athletic matchup nightmare, like inside and outside. Yeah, happy opposite day, folks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately well, for us, but let's get into the Liberty game. Yeah, first. for sure. I know that going into the game, Liberty had only one loss, I think. Yeah, they David were really well. Yeah, they were playing really well. They were a talented team. I unfortunately couldn't go to the game because yeah. I had to take a quiz, but you were there, Carter. I was and there. You set the tone right off the bat and made me very nervous because I put money on the game for George on the cover, five and a half. And said, <laughs> not for nothing, these kids are shooting real well in warm-ups. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything um, I really wanted to look into too much, but my eye test told me that they had a lot of really, really good shooters and just talented guys. And not like shooters in the typical sense where it's like some coach's son you know at richmond that is 6-1 180 and just gets hot or has a good stroke right these are like solid six seven guys that they're just pulling up off the dribble doing all kinds of step backs i was like damn okay these guys can play i don't really know a lot about the team other you know than their record and i didn't even know if they have a lot of quality wins up until they played georgetown but they were looking good in warm-ups and that definitely continued into the game and going into the game, it was really same old story for Georgetown, especially continuing off the theme from both Richmond and uh, Campbell. Mm. Georgetown's inability to effectively guard the perimeter was yeah. killing them. They were struggling in contesting 
three-point shots consistently and soundly. I mean, quite frankly, there's been every single... All three of these games, a short guard has lit us up from the outside. This game, it was Darius McGee. Darius McGee isn't even a starter for... um, for Liberty. He came off the bench and torched us. I know, dude. He's also 5'9". Yeah. And I mean, given He's that I was, sitting, I was sitting courtside, this dude had no business doing anything to us. Yeah. And he was just getting, I think a lot of that was just, we were awful about communicating on screens. You know, Horrendous. it was just, oh, it was really bad. It was looking like one of my IM games. Yeah, McGee was uh, 5 of 12 from deep, which is about 41%. Yeah. He was 7 of 15 on the day. But he had a total of 19 points, and quite frankly, for a guy who's only five foot nine, he should have no business shooting five of 12 from the outside, or yeah. seven of 15 in total. You got to crowd him a little bit. I'm pretty sure he doesn't play. I mean, he he's not averaging that many minutes this year, and he's a freshman too. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it with us with us getting torched by freshmen? I, I mean, I know Collins is probably like 25, but mm-hmm. um, the uh, no, not Collins, um, Clemens. Is like twenty five, but Collins was the USF guy. He's also a true freshman. I mean, yes, I, we were we were talking about this. Um, I forgot when, but it's been a pretty constant theme of our, our conversations about Georgetown is that people like randomly. It's actually very similar to the Knicks too. Like someone will always go off against us. Mm-hmm. That isn't good. Yes, it's like in a weird way people get very excited to play Georgetown. Like yeah. we still have that. Just the random bring person that out of her. Yeah. who averages about six points per game, shooting about 28%, will shoot 48% from three, yeah. 62% from the field, and score 25 points. Like, they'll have their, they'll have their best game of the year against us. And I, I just don't understand that. But. I mean, thankfully, Ewing, you could tell, you know, of course he wasn't happy. Yeah. But the second half was a much more effective, especially defensively from Georgetown. Yeah, that's where it started. They did a much better job of guarding the perimeter, and... They did a really nice job of ball movement, especially on the offensive yeah. end. And James Akinjo finally found a little bit of rhythm on yeah. the offensive end. Yeah. And when he gets, you can kind of tell with James when, even with Mac too, when and when they aren't in a little bit of a zone. Yeah. And you could tell, like when they're in the zone, they're making smart plays. They're playing fearlessly. They're mm-hmm. not thinking very much. They're more so reacting to what the defense is giving them and what the situation presents. And you could tell very much that James was in that zone. He was making smart passes. He was attacking the rim, creating separation, and picking and choosing his moments really, really well. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is both in the half court and in transition, he had one play start off the second half where there was a loose ball. I believe Trey came up with it in the corner, gave it to James. He just took off, mm. created some separation down the other end, kissed it right off the glass and in. And James's three-point shot has tremendously improved since the beginning of the year. He shot three of five from downtown that game. Yeah, I was really impressed with his composure. I think a lot of credit there goes to Ewing because one thing that you and I both noted in the first I'd say eight to twelve minutes of the first half was we were just so out of control, mm-hmm. like so many sloppy turnovers because we were trying to push for no reason. Um, it was almost like pushing for the sake of pushing without a purpose. Um, and I think with young guards, it's easy to get trapped in that mindset, especially because Ewing wants to run, it's just like run all the time. No, you need to be smart about controlling pace. And I think pace is a really good word to describe what we saw in the second half against Liberty when we just fucking ran them. Like, up and down. Just, uh-huh. We built as much as a 25-point lead, I think. Yeah, we did. 
And on the back of James. Yeah, absolutely. We really did. And again, one thing you did mention there was turnovers. We did see a slight regression in that aspect. A lot of it did come in the first half. We totaled 19 mm -hmm. turnovers. Jesse had three, which has been pretty uncharacteristic yeah. of him yeah. this season. James and Mac, Mac each had four, so that's 11 right there. Yeah. Josh had two, and Jamarco, Jamarco had three. three. Your Jamie. favorite player. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you something. DC's take five. Hey, listen, we broke some news. We told Coach Ewing, and he listened. Yeah. And quite frankly, sitting Jamarco in favor of Greg... Something that we each spoke about the possibility, you know, credit to us, yeah. foresight, innovation, <laughs> yeah, sabermetrics, baby, sabermetrics. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby. We, uh, and Greg didn't have a fantastic game, but the result of it was you could tell that Jamarco's attitude towards the game changed a little bit. His intensity, his urgency. Oh, he was pissed, dude. You could tell he came out hot. He, was he came pissed. out angry, and it showed. He didn't necessarily score a ton. He was three of eight from the field, only one of four from deep. But he had he had a legit game. Yeah, he did. He led Nine the team points. in assists. Mm -hmm. He had five rebounds. He hit his free throws. Only half of his shots were threes, which is I mean, seems high, but for him is a big improvement. Usually, he's and, only comfortable shooting from the outside. Yeah, and I mean the high turnovers, I'm honestly okay with because they were from him trying to make things happen as yeah. opposed to just floating around behind the arc. Mm -hmm. And he's gonna. So it's great to see him get a little bit of confidence, and you could tell that he was happy and excited and motivated after the game when he ran into the tunnel and just screamed something of the sort where he was like, "Now we're about to go up to the Superdome and kick their ass." Yeah, man. And the funny thing is, the Superdome's actually in New Orleans. That's where the Saints play. Yeah, it's the Carrier Dome. <laughs> he must think we're playing Tulane or some shit. Exactly. <laughs> it was funny because Casual Hoya actually tweeted out saying, "This just in, they're moving the game to New Orleans." And some Georgetown student legitimately thought that was like real. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, that's my hometown!" <laughs> Casual Hoya with the reply, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like take a joke. <laughs> yeah. That's that's actually really funny. Um, but I I love to see that kind of passion from Jamarco. I mean, we've both talked about how much of an X factor he is. Mm -hmm. And seeing him care, um, especially, you know, one thing Ewing said in his presser that I thought was really interesting was that um he said that last year, if he had done something, you know, something similar like this to Jamarco, he would have pouted and got down on himself and been like a very bad team player because of, you know, the benching. But he said no. He said, you know, I, I think he can handle it this year. So that's why I'm making the tough decision. Um, even if it's only for a game, he did say we'll have our usual starting lineup against Q's. But um, it shows a lot of growth on his part. And I think Ewing, you know, trusting him more, um, which I think is definitely an interesting thing to unpack, even if just really briefly. You know, I've always thought it's weird that he, you know, he's so he trusts Mac and James so much right away and with Jamarco it's kind of been like a slow uneasy process yeah I mean some people some players they come along a little bit slower in like the mental aspect than others and it, it's so weird coach Ewing kind of reminds me of just like a giant dad to all the players mm -hmm. like a hard dad yeah oh like, yeah strict like a tough stern. love guy like mm -hmm. You know, always pushing you because he sees potential and he sees the ability to succeed, whether that be on the court or off the court. Mm -hmm. And he recognizes that potential and wants all of, you know, his guys to reach that. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's always really hard on them. And it, it's almost, uh, 
And I respect it. You can tell that he cares so much about he his does. guys, yeah. too. Um, and it's really admirable. But if there's one thing I do want to mention, and he didn't have, like, an incredible game, but Trey Morning's stat line is something I'd take every single game from him. Played 27 minutes, only took three shots, <laughs> made two of them. Made us One three. happened to be three. Um, nine points, seven rebounds, two assists, and a steal. That's an incredibly efficient compact game from Trey yeah. in a sense that he really didn't do a ton on like the stat sheet per se, but his stats are solid and he didn't do any like, he, he contributed yeah, he stayed he, within himself That's a very. I was about to say he played within himself um, ESPN isn't giving us the plus minuses but I, I'd assume his is pretty high Yeah, um, I know, I'd, I'd probably wager it'd be one of the highest ones on the team um, but yeah I, I like, you know the kind of the distribution, right? If you're looking just by numbers, obviously there's more to a game than that. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like when we're gonna be at our best, that's how it'll be. Yeah, it'll be James and Jesse, and then kind of Mac as the the third option. You mm-hmm. know, and I I think he Mac played really well too. He did. He early didn't play on. much in the second half. Early on, he was our offense. Yeah, he was. He showed off some of his athleticism in transition. There was one play where he had the ball, moving it up on the left side of the court, cut right back in through the lane, and kind of faded away and like. Tear, like kissed it right off the glass. The touch was really good there. Like, it shows like great a touch. It's a good yeah. word. Like a nice kiss off the backboard, as a uh, Bill Walton would say. Yeah. Um, but again, I think another key player for this team. He doesn't get a ton of minutes, and it's, his minutes have been kind of up and down throughout the year. But Javon looked very. I shouldn't say very. I would say more comfortable. Yeah. With the ball. Because there was a time yeah. when it was him and Jacob running the show for a and they, bit. And they were just trading threes. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was so interesting. I think, I don't want to catch you off. But, no, no worries. Um, Javon had this one move where he got a rebound. He went behind his back and they just pulled up into a three. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, huh? Yeah, he did you, his best you, He did his you, best Steph Curry impression. You do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it really shocked me. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, there was a point. It was like early in the first half when Javon really helped keep us in this game. Help because you know we were struggling with. I don't really want to say keeping pace, but really keeping them from scoring. Early yeah, on. We they, were... it seemed like every single trip down the court, they kind of found a way to get an easy bucket and open look. And in the latter half of the first half, Javon came on and just started hitting threes like it was his job. Yeah, I mean that is his job. Yeah, he went two for two. So it shows he really didn't force anything from beyond the arc. But the shots that he did take, they came close to back-to-back. Yeah. And it was like one of the plays you were speaking of. And it was nice. It was nice seeing him have success. It was nice seeing him be a little bit more confident shooting off the dribble, something that he usually doesn't do very much. Usually he's more of a catch-and-shoot type of guard. Oh, yeah. Um, I think also it's really interesting to see him get these early minutes, You know, not so much because of his shooting, because of his defense. I think that's been one of the biggest reasons Mac hasn't had like a game yet where he's gone off. Because I thought this game would be it. I remember texting you. He had his first four, not his first. He had his first three shots. Mm-hmm. Um, went out for a little bit and then came back in. Hit it. So I think he went four for four to start. And I was just like, dude, this is gonna be the game. He's gonna <laughs> drop twenty. It's gonna be viral, and my life's gonna be complete. But um, yeah, I mean, defense is definitely still a work in progress for Mac. But I think you can see with both him and James, they're getting a lot more comfortable. They are, yeah. Which is which is really nice to see. It's necessary too. Mm-hmm. Going into 
Some hostile territory. Oh my god, yeah. One thing I'd also like to point out, I'm looking through the text uh, that I was sending you, Jesse, um, again as a leader, was so impressive, especially in the beginning when we were, you know, hanging with them because they were just, you know, we were playing their style. Um, Jesse was so vocal, which we had kind of talked about as something that was a little bit out of his comfort zone, in that he was talking a lot to both Jamargo and Jagan. Um, when they were in the game, I think it was like right towards the end of the first half when Ewing took the starters out. Um, he was just really communicating on defense, and every time out, every uh, like, uh, dead ball, he was bringing them all together and like saying something to them, which I think speaks so much about how he's grown as a leader. Oh, yeah. He wasn't really doing that too much earlier in the year. Definitely not last year. And, you know, he, great on him for doing that because... He's the best player in like just in the world of sports that we live in. The best player and the team leader almost have to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Especially in basketball when you think about it. Like the best player sooner or later has to take up and be a little bit vocal with your team. Mm. Especially in times of trouble. You're the you're the shining light that's gonna lead your team out of it. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to be a little vocal. You can't necessarily just lead by example because especially when you're not playing well, the example isn't well. So sometimes yeah. you actually have yeah. to vocalize your emotions, your feelings, and instructions to help drag your team out of the depths and bring them back into the light. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's profound, dude. <laughs> what can I say? That's, that's I'm a prodigy. That's the Regis education talking right there. 100%. Um, but yeah, I think everyone looks super solid. Um, rhythm, pace, uh, chemistry, all on full display. We obviously let them creep back a little bit once we were up by 25. Though. I mean, yeah, we took our foot off the gas. And that was something else that Ewing talked about in his presser. But um, I'm honestly okay with doing us like that. You know, we when, another thing I had said is we hadn't really given it to a team yet no you know we had had a lot of comfortable wins but it wasn't like we were just so clearly better and that's what it was in the second half against liberty i would argue that this is the best the first 10 to 12 minutes of the second half was the best half of basketball we played yeah i definitely agreed it was it it would seriously like it they made liberty look like one of those shitty teams we played last year and liberty clearly isn't like they they, made them look like cop and state and cops and state Dude, Coppin State. Wow, I haven't heard that name in so long. Yeah. It used to be a staple of the Georgetown non <laughs> schedule. Yeah, them and Howard. Yeah. I think we still have Howard this year. Oh, really? I think we do. Uh, that's probably over break. Yeah, they know, they know they want no one to come. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got Howard. And it's over break. <laughs> hey, well, that's, that's one more game we get to watch from home. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be nice. You know, break the popcorn out, watch a nice little blowout. Yeah. Remind the neighborhood kids who owns the town. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But with that said, want to move into a little uh, Syracuse breakdown preview? Absolutely, man. So, this is big. This is big for a lot of different reasons. One, it's the marquee game. This is the one game that students on campus actually really begin to care about the basketball team. Mm -hmm. So, it's important that... If Georgetown go out and win at Syracuse, it's gonna it has the potential to revitalize interest in this team mm-hmm. and belief among the student body, I think. Especially if we can go into the Carrier Dome, one of the most electric, hostile environments in the nation, especially when it comes to college basketball, due to the 
the depth and the vastness of the arena. Mm-hmm. If we can do that, it'll provide hope, a little bit of a spark. Two, it would go a long way to legitimizing our claim as a contender within the Big East. Because quite frankly, Syracuse, even though they're only 6-2 and two right now, they are, a, they are a top 25 team in the nation, the way they are playing. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate for them that they lost those two games, but they weren't fully healthy. They were still feeling each other out. They didn't have Frank Howard, who is a crucial, crucial piece to their team. Yeah, we'll get to him. Um, And, um, yeah, it's just... And it's it's always great to have that bragging right. Even though the rivalry is a little bit... When I say a little bit, like, probably about a fair amount less electric than it has been in past years, there's still a fair amount of animosity between both of these programs. Mm especially now that Ewing is on the sideline and the yeah. way that Georgetown choked last year and the fact that both teams are still very similar in their makeup. Yeah, that's actually a very interesting point. I, I haven't really considered how the two teams face up basketball-wise because I've been so consumed with you know all the politics and culture that surrounds the rivalry. But I'm very excited to see again um, if we can also legitimize our claim as a team that steps up in big moments. Because I think that's that's something that hasn't been the case with most Georgetown teams. Um, you know, there's been like a tease here and there, but if we can go on the road and like consistently play well, that's gonna be, that's just at least gonna make me so much more confident in the team's ability to go out and perform, um, and even just their mental makeup to not let these external circumstances get to them. Um, we'll obviously get to the X and O's a little bit, but uh, you already know I love to get to the psychology of this. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I do want to. Like focus a little bit on this part first. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting because there is a stigma around Georgetown, at least of late, like dating back to around two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. This Georgetown program as a choking team, yeah, a team that chokes. Look at Davidson, look at Florida Gulf Coast, God. Ohio, look at Ohio. Look at Maryland from a couple of years ago, Syracuse last year. I, I can point to about five to seven games last year that we easily could have won, but choked it away. The Butler game, dude. The with Butler Trayvon game. Trayvon Blewett's four-point play. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dude. So it's a lot. And sometimes, I know people, especially athletes, and a, quite frankly, it doesn't need to be confined to athletics. It can be confined to just people in general. When you have like a stigma associated with you that's more negative, it's like a dark cloud. It's like a dark heavy presence Mm -hmm. that kind of envelops your being and until you can finally shake that presence you can feel so much lighter and more free Mm -hmm. and less and you get out of your head a little bit and I think beating Illinois early on was a good step in the right direction it showed that this team isn't the same mentally Mm -hmm. as last year's but Again, Illinois is a team that's obviously they aren't playing great this season, but they're more like Georgetown last year. They're crumbling. They I think they've lost every single close game they've been a part of. And this is just another step to continue for Georgetown to shake this idea that we can't win close games. Yeah, I mean I think it's also, you know, in that almost depression y <laughs> metaphor you were using before, it was like, um, easy for the players too on the backs of all of this baggage and history that the program has at least in the recent past to internalize it and say like oh who am i to think that i can be the one to lead us to 
break this. You know what I mean? So I think it's almost nice that we have some new blood now and people who just, I mean, at least I won't speak for Mac and James, but I don't really think they give a shit about no, any of this. Um, you think James cares at all? <laughs> no. Mac cares at all? <laughs> no. Um, They're so, here thinking, we're bringing Georgetown back. Yeah. Bringing Saxa back. Yeah, ooh. Yeah, um, good old phrase. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's nice to kind of get the program almost out of its own head. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm, I'm very eager, you know, also cautiously optimistic about what to expect from their performance yeah. against the Orange. Yeah, it's also... Um, we got to juice cues, baby. Absolutely. So thinking of diving into a little bit of the X and O's of mm-hmm. the games, um, when you look at the Syracuse team, there are a couple of players that stand out to you. Um, I'd Marek Dolazaj, right? Marek Dolazaj. <laughs> he actually played really well against us last year. Yeah, he I know. That's why I remember. provided some, like, probably about 20 to 23 solid minutes. Played great defense. He's like a... He's like the classic utility player. Yeah. He won't do much on offense, but he's steady. He's reliable. He's literally the he'll dude. See the, he'll, see, he'll see the court a fair amount against he's us. He's literally the dude who went off against us, like the scrub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Last sick. year, the two players that decided, you know, we're going to ball out were O'Shea Brissett really stepped up. I would say early in the second half when we were giving it to Syracuse, mm-hmm. looking to basically... Send them back up to Syracuse. Send them back up to the upstate New York with a couple of bruises and a concussion and a trip to the hospital. We were beating them so badly. O'Shea, O'Shea was the one who kept them in the game, making play after play after play until the sleeping giant himself woke up and decided to carry the orange to a victory and tie his battle. Yeah, I think they're obviously Syracuse's two best players now, and as we had kind of mentioned earlier, they're both, I would say, significantly better than last year. They both, um, you know, Battle was this really athletic slasher when we played him, which is why it hurt even more to see him make back-to-back threes, step-backs from the right wing. When he shot, you know, 32% from three, I mean, it's actually interesting now seeing he took six and a half last game and is only taking half as many this year. But um, he got better, and I think O'Shea Brissett, too, is like, you can't really look at his numbers and read too much into him because his percentages are super shit mm-hmm. but um, all you need to do is look at what he did in Northeastern and yeah. how dangerous of a player he is for those of you wondering he uh, scored 21 points had 14 rebounds 7 offensive 2 assists went 5 of 6 from the line and shot 7 of 15 so uh, yeah he's a weapon yeah he's and, uh, so athletic guarding him is going to be a matchup nightmare for Coach Ewing yeah um I'm expecting to see a lot of Josh LeBlanc on him. I don't anticipate Trey being able to guard him at all on the perimeter. I don't think his foot speed is quick enough. I don't think he's athletic enough. And I think Jim Beheim is going to recognize that and use O'Shea early in this game to get a couple of quick buckets. Yeah, especially with, with with the way the Orange play offense this year. It's a lot of just very, very quick ball movement. Um, which is which is interesting because Battle is usually more of an ISO player, but I think he's done a lot better job this year of molding into the team. I mean, that's why he's shooting 48% from the field as opposed to 40 last year. I think he's just playing within himself a lot more. And, you know, in terms of the way th- that the, uh, the Orange handle the offense, I think they're really just going to try to exploit our bigs because Jesse's not quick either. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Josh is obviously way better of a defender than them, but he's also a freshman yeah. playing, you know, in a the biggest game of his life. 
So I expect him to rise to the occasion. I really yeah. do. I think he's going to have a good game. He's going to need to have a good game. Um, I think Jesse's, if we're going to win, we need Jesse to just put up at least 25 and 10. Yeah. Absolutely. We need Jesse to be an absolute menace yeah. mid-range. We need him to really extend outside, too. And honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly not entirely concerned on the offensive end. For us, we've been in a rhythm. Obviously, the Syracuse 2-3 is... Honestly, it kind of morphs into a 4-1 at times. Yeah. Especially, you know, against teams that don't have a post presence. Thankfully, we do. But But I'm a little concerned. The only... I would say my only concern on the offensive end is entry. How are we going to break into the zone? Yeah. Because when you think of it, Syracuse, Jim Beheim teams are long. And when you think of the two primary guards that Syracuse is going to deploy on top... Ty's battle on Frank Howard. Frank Howard is 6'5", Ty's battle is 6'6". Six, six. Jesus. And then you think of the other three players, Elijah Hughes is 6'6", six, six. O'Shea Brissett is 6'8", and Pascal Chukwu <laughs> is 7'2". So this team is pretty much like kind of the opposite of us. We're not necessarily the longest team, but we're quick and we're feisty. Syracuse is long and they're athletic. So... We're really going to have to, if you're coaching, you're going to have to stress to Mac and James to get creative in trying yeah. to force the way, force the ball into the high post to Jesse, to Josh, to Trey, whoever's manning that spot. And a good way to do that is quick ball movement and attacking the zone before it gets comfortable. Mm, I was going to say pushing a ball off of makes is probably going to be something we have to do a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, because one thing I noticed in Syracuse's most recent game, uh, which was a pretty close win against Cornell, um, was that once, uh, I forget, I think it, one of the bigs was actually Beheim's son. The game Buddy was Beheim. Super, yeah, it was like, and then, but there's also someone on Syracuse, right, who's one of Beheim's sons. That's that's wild, man. Yep. But anyway, I think it might have been Buddy Beheim. Um, very good passer from the high post. And Cornell was just running these, like, scissored uh, baseline cuts and, I mean, Syracuse was getting beat on them almost every time. Mm-hmm. So they'd either have a layup or one thing they would do is dribble out, draw two, and then kick for wide open threes on the wing. And, I mean, to be honest, against Illinois, you know, both James and Max showed their ability to drive and dish really well. And we know Jesse's a decent passer. Trey's not a bad passer. Um, so I, I think that once we get into the zone, we'll probably be okay. And plus, we'll have Jamarco and Greg and Javon and even Jagan has shown the ability to knock down open looks from the outside this year playing. So it's not like we don't have the ability to break down this 2-3 zone. It's just a matter of not getting tunnel vision, especially if you're James and you're Mac, and staying composed early on, especially if they start to turn the ball over. Um, yeah. You're coaching to understand that you don't want E. If you start to feel that things are slipping, you gotta get Jagan and you gotta get Javon in the game, and there can't be any hesitation. Yeah, I think, I think his leash leash with Mac and James will be a lot shorter yeah. than even the Illinois game. Yeah, and I um, think Javon is someone who can really be used well in this game offensively, especially as a spot up shooter. He's someone that can really help tear apart the two three if he can feel the zone, and try to find a little bit of the soft spots on the outside. Yeah. So hopefully he's has his Steph Curry touch on uh, Saturday. Yeah, man. But Don't I do want to talk a little bit about Georgetown on defense. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this is my primary concern, considering it's been inconsistent. We've had trouble guarding small guards. <laughs> what the hell is going to happen when James and Mac, who are only six foot and six foot two respectively, have to guard Tyus fucking Battle and Frank fucking Howard, who are six six and six five? Yeah, they're just going to, especially Tyus, someone who he didn't have a great game against Northeastern. He only put in two points. Same with Frank. Mm. Frank's been having a little bit of trouble coming back. He's coming off an injury. He's trying yeah. to feel his way in. Knowing him, he'll play great against us on oh, Saturday. Oh, yeah, definitely have 20. It's just the way things work. Yeah. Um, but if you're Mac and you have to guard Ty's battle, I mean... You don't? Uh, I don't know what you do. Could because we, What, do we send him to our bigs who don't protect the rim? I mean, <laughs> I mean right there, it's just like... What the hell? Like it's it's a matchup nightmare. It because really what are you gonna do? Stick him on Elijah Hughes? Yeah, okay. Elijah Hughes does not like the best ball handling, but Hughes is a good three point shooter. Yeah. He went six of eleven from the field against Northeastern, three of eight from downtown, seventeen points. He's someone that can mm. definitely rise above Mac and shoot. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Stick him on O'Shea Brissett? Like okay, yeah. we're no, gonna have I, to see a lot of Javon in Jagan in this game. I wouldn't be surprised to see a James Javon lineup. Yeah. Or, or you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Mac doesn't get that many minutes, because his defense already has already been a little suspect and already been enough to get him uh, benched against way worse teams. Mm-hmm. Like everyone who Syracuse is going to play is a legit D one player. Yeah. Like that, and that's what I think we haven't had yet. Even Illinois, like they had some scrubs. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> dude, Felice, you hate him. Oh my God, he balled out against <laughs> us. Crazy. He was the guy. He's <laughs> <laughs> always a guy. Um, but yeah, to your point about how we handle defense, I think uh, it's tough because I'm I'm picturing Mac and James sending him to the bigs. The bigs push up, but Chuku is so long. All he can do is catch lobs, but he's really good at it. Yeah, so you just you just lob it over the top to and get dunks. Like I I seriously have no idea what we're gonna do. Uh, it's gonna we're gonna need Jagan and Javon to play some big minutes. I think. Yeah. And yeah. Even, even this kid, they have a kid named Jalen Carey off the bench. He's a freshman. He's six three. Big kid. Yeah. He's one sixty eight though. Yeah. That's... A little less weight than me. I could probably muscle him around. Oh yeah, we <laughs> should stick you on him. Oh yeah, <laughs> Red Thunder lockdown to, deal. They, yeah, where's the nearest Syracuse hospital for my broken ankles? <laughs> I'd get humiliated on national TV. Hey, at least you'd be on TV. Yeah, I don't know if you saw though. Um, earlier this season, when they played at uh, New York, you know they got Beheim's son on the team, um, and. Uh, they, Syracuse misspelled his last name on the back of their jersey. Dude. How long has uh, Jim Beheim been coaching in Syracuse? Do you have any idea? 41 years. 42. Oh, man. I don't know why 41 came to me. 42. Damn. And they couldn't spell his son's last freaking name. It is a crazy name. Oh, it's wild. They spelled it B-O-H-E. I am, but they missed the E after the Oh, yeah, o. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a really wacky way to spell it. Yeah. I mean... It's putting the bay in Bayheim. Yeah, really. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a great game. Um, it's going to be a hard one, but it, it, when there's a will, there's a way. I'm expecting yeah. Georgetown to rise to the occasion hmm. and stick with them. 
Yeah. We've shown the ability to take a punch this year on numerous occasions. It's true. CCSU, I mean, granted, Syracuse is a different freaking universe than CCSU. But that was the second game. Um, Illinois, South Florida, I mean, Richmond, we took a couple. Yeah. Liberty, we took a couple. Listen, I'm expecting us to go out there and show some heart. And they're pumped. And listen, I'm ready. Oh, yeah. I'm ready too. Yeah. I, I think what we. You know, if we're diving maybe now into like keys to win, you already alluded to it with Jesse. I think it's our three point shooting. Oh, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, you're 100. We have to be hot from downtown. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, there is a lot of reason for optimism. Uh, Mac and Mac is 40 percent from three in the last four games uh, after you know missing his first 5,000 shots to begin the year, and James is 44 percent. You know, mm-hmm. and these aren't just catch and shoot open looks. These are like legit contested shots so I definitely think their legs are a lot under them more under them now with the jump shot and we were able to beat Illinois without really shooting well from three no. I mean we shot stupidly well from two which yeah. won't happen again but um, especially not in the zone what do you think in terms of pace though because we do have these two guards that love to go fast how do, if we win this how do you think it happens fucking go running gun man really I mean the way I kind of think of it it's kind of a double edged sword because usually the faster pace leads to a little bit more turnovers. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you don't want the 2-3 zone to get set as much as possible. Because when it's set, it's a monster. It's hard to break. And we're not talking any 2-3 zone. We're talking the Bayheim 2-3 zone. Yeah. Nobody, that's his, that, that, that's like his firstborn son. Nobody understands how... We apologize to the real Bayheim sons. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he loves you. Um, <laughs> not like the 2-3, though. Yeah. I mean, that's his invention. Yeah. Mm. And it's so hard to prep because he just morphs and moves. And his players know it so intimately, intimately as well. Yeah. And they're, they just move so well together. It's just hard to score against. So as often as James, Ken, and Matt... Get out on the run and try to take advantage. Yeah, I think they should, or even push the pace off makes and almost have Jesse kind of trail and try to capitalize on the zone, kind of sagging off of like the little bit of a quick pace and try to get Jesse some open looks from behind to knock down some threes. I mean, anything you can possibly do. But the key is also like mental composure. You're going to turn the ball over. It's natural, especially against the 2-3. Probably Syracuse. early, just like we did against Illinois. Yeah, we just got to stay composed. You cannot get rattled. And I do want to mention this beforehand. Like We got to play defense the way we did against um, Liberty for 40 damn minutes. Yeah, that's the because thing. Because Elijah Hughes is a capable three-point shooter. Tyus Battle can knock him down. O'Shea Brissett can shoot threes. Yeah. Frank Howard can make a couple. Yeah. If you think Liberty, if we play defense the way we did against Liberty in the first half, can you imagine what Syracuse is going to do to us from the outside? Yeah, we get mauled. Yeah. I think that's a really astute observation. I think also maybe one thing uh, in terms of just the, the possession battle, if we see ourselves, you know, if we see this game being won on the offensive end, defensive rebounding is going to be really important. Yeah. Because the last thing you need. Um, when you're tired, especially playing really hard on defense and pushing the ball, mm-hmm. is to give up a stupid offensive rebound that results in an open three. Like those, I feel like those are always momentum shots. I agree. 
I agree. So but I, hustle plays always give you a little bit more momentum. Yeah. It, it doesn't need to be much. It literally can just be a tip out. Yeah. And that can give Syracuse or even Georgetown an opportunity to sink a little bit of the knife deeper into the heart of their opponent. Mm-hmm. But I like our chances on the uh, glass. I think Jesse is a good matchup for Pascal Chukwu. He's going to eat him alive. Yeah, I mean, Chukwu has no chance on the defensive end, and that's why they're in the 2-3 zone. But Jesse's also stronger than he is. Mm-hmm. Jesse's a, sh- he's a freaking strong guy. Like, he's big, he's muscular, and he can get tenacious on the boards. Trey is a hustle player, and Josh... I don't think Josh loves anything more than going after a contested rebound. <laughs> yeah, man. So the They're... battle between him and O'Shea Brissett is going to be must-watch television. It's going to be a really good matchup. It could be a chance for LeBlanc to like really show people too that he's he's a legit prospect. Oh, nothing, back up my hot take from last would week. Make me happier than to see LeBlanc posterize O'Shea Brissett's dumbass. Yeah. In the second half and give George, oh, and give Georgetown some momentum. Like, my God, after what O'Shea did to us last year, or Tyus fucking battle, I'd love, love to see Josh give him some sauce in this game. Oh, yeah. That would be a real coming out party for him. It'd be awesome. Speaking of sauce, though, you feeling a little hot today? Yeah. Yeah, you got some, what, Tabasco or something here? Yeah, like a little Chipotle sauce. Okay. I mean, some hot <laughs> sorry, Chipotle's hot for you. Yeah, I know, I know. Are you ready for some, some hot good old stuff, mustard? Hot yeah, man, let's get to it. Absolutely, let's get it. listening that may or may not happen at one point <laughs> next semester oh um, yeah if we beat cues i'll definitely be dancing well um, yeah same so here let me, let me go first how about let's each start with our most important players um maybe most underrated players for the syracuse game okay Lead on. I, I think that greg has a great game knee okay. injury and all uh, for those yeah for those concerning had like a bit of a I don't know, like a Charlie horse to the knee. Yeah, uh, you and I game. each had a, we we had a heart attack when we saw him go down. <laughs> Dude, it was bad. Um, it, it was contact though, thankfully not yes. contact. But um, I had already mentioned it in my case for him starting that it should be something uh, we employ against teams that play a good zone because he's our best shooter, and I think to be honest, he's our best off ball mover. He in has such of, a deal for the game. It's it's really crazy, and I wasn't sold on him as a player when I first like was watching his highlights and stuff. Um, but he can do a little bit of everything. I think that you know, in my analysis of Q's watching them play Cornell, um, which is really just a bunch of white dudes, honestly. <laughs> um, they were just so good at just fundamentals like and I, I don't want to say it's a white people thing but greg like every time he throws the ball into the post he cuts baseline or he flares out for a three and it's like i could totally see him being someone that syracuse kind of forgets about mm-hmm. especially um in their scouting report you know going jesse mac james you know maybe javon something like that yeah. and he just gets a couple open looks makes like smart mature plays and transition 
Um, you know, I don't want to put my finger on it, but I, I could definitely see him scoring double digits. Yeah, if you could get 11 to 14 points from Greg, shooting about 4 or 7 from downtown, man, you take that in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. And when you look at the way Greg plays, he's smart. As you said, smart fundamentally, sound, high basketball IQ. Whenever, he's, whenever he gets the ball in the wing, the first thing he looks to do is to get it down low. Mm. Especially if he's on Jesse's side. He understands that Jesse gives the team the best chance to attack whatever defense they're on. Especially if it's one-on-one, Jesse has a good chance of probably beating it. Especially if he can lean that left, lean that left shoulder and turn to get his right arm Jesse loves that patented baby right shot, baby hook right shot. Oh, yeah. It, it's close to money. I mean, he yeah. is as automatic with that shot as, I, I don't know, um, <laughs> bad analogy, whatever. But no, he's, it's he's definitely good. It's definitely true. He is, he's a good basketball player. Is that your hot take? Oh, Jesse George. is a good Jesse, <laughs> Jesse Gobert, best player in Georgetown. Oh. He's the key. Dude, oh, my God, easy. Yeah, it's too hot. I'm getting burned here. I, I mean, I can totally see Greg being important. Um, I was originally going to say Jamarco, um, just because, but they're very synonymous players. Greg is a little bit better of a shooter, I'd say, and Jamarco yeah. has a better chance of impacting. More upside, yeah, for sure. Yeah, probably, probably more so on the defensive end as well if he's engaged yeah. because of his wingspan. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Javon. Um, Javon and Jagan, I'm going to go with those two guys. I'm kind of cheating by going with both, but I do think both of them have a huge role to play. And I think Jagan is a guy who really gets overlooked on this team. for what. But what he does off the bench is just so crucial, yeah. especially for the young guys starting Mac and James. Jagan's a guy who can come in and be steady. Steady, calming, soothing, He's not going to do anything spectacular, especially off the ball, but he's a smart player, and he's always going to calm things down, especially yeah. if we're playing a little erratic, we're playing a little frenetic. He's a guy that can come in, limit turnovers, and kind of slow the game down. Yeah. And with Javon, Javon is going to be very important, not only for his shooting, but for his defense. And same with Jagan. Both of those guys are... Very solid on-ball defenders. They're strong. They're longer than Mac and James are. Mm-hmm. And especially down the stretch, if the game is close, Ewing has to consider employing both of them. Perhaps and even, like, especially if it's like a minute left and where things are close, if you're Coach Ewing, you got some timeouts, you got to start thinking about doing offense, defense, something like that. Yeah. Because I, it's just so hard because James is a good on-ball defender. Like, he has mental lapses. Yeah, you can see honestly, it, and it's been, frustrating. Yeah, it's very frustrating. You could see that he wasn't engaged fully in the first half against Liberty. I've honestly noticed that more with him this season than I thought I would. Same here. You I know. thought James was going to be a very steady on-ball defender, aggressive, yeah. almost a little bit too much. I thought he was yeah. going to struggle with foul trouble a lot. Yeah. And he's only really done so with one game. Yeah, it was a Richmond game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he had to come out. Um. But, yeah, I think those two players are crucial, especially in the defensive end and the idea of limiting turnovers. Obviously, like, when they're in the game, the ability to get out and run dampens a bit. But just to calm things down and slow things down a little bit for Georgetown, I think it's very important that they see the floor and have productive uh, minutes. Yeah, God forbid we have a lead at some point. I would love to have them in to just 
kill time, make yeah, sure you limit know. turnovers, you know? Mm-hmm. That's obviously a best case. But what, what, what kind of games do you see from them then? Um, I see Jagan really with an unspectacular box, uh, box line. Maybe a three, maybe a two, maybe an assist here or there, hopefully a steal. But the thing is with Jagan, Jagan's more important for his defense is ability to run, run the point and his leadership on the court and off the court. He's an incredibly smart guy, understands feel, and he's selfless. So I think it's important that he just sticks to his nature and plays within that. Javon, I think it's very important that he's on from downtown. We need to see the Javon Blair fearlessly taking threes, and the key to that is him finding the soft spots in the zone, understanding how the zone is moving, and he needs to understand where he can move that would give him the best chance to make an outside shot, presuming the ball will eventually get there, because that's his offensive role. He's a 3 and D guy, the quintessential 3 and D guy. So as long as he sticks to that and hits his outside shots, which he's been doing a fair amount this season, if he could give us three to five threes, oh man, yeah, I'd love it. Really interestingly, looking at his box score from last year, I mean, obviously against Q's, Jagan had the game of his life. He had 20 oh, in, yeah. that, in that poster dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had ja- a great game. But Javon had uh, only three points, but he had five assists. Really? Yeah. See, that gives me... That, that, see, that just, just, it, it just intrigues me. Because yeah. our team last year stuck with these guys. And I mean, yeah, Elijah Hughes didn't get a ton of minutes last year. And Elijah Hughes has really progressed... Tyus is playing well. O'Shea Brissett's a good player, Frank Howard. Um, but it just it's so intriguing knowing like they were a bad matchup for us last year and we came out and played our butts off mm. and stayed with them. And you it, it's just the mentality of this team. I have a feeling they're gonna I have a feeling they're gonna rise on mm. Saturday. I really, really do. Dude, I hope so. I hope but, so. Uh, when people ask me, I remember a buddy of mine, he asked, he's like, oh, this weekend, we're going to lose. And I said, you know what? No. Write it in blood. We're coming out of Syracuse with a win. Wow. And he was like, it kind of took him aback. He was kind of scared. There's another hot take. It started, as soon as you get a little twitchy, that's yeah, when you I know was you're like, serious. You know, like, the New Year it's like, I'm wrapped up, man. Yeah, yeah, I was supposed to. You ever see like, Drake and Josh episode? When Josh, <laughs> he's got the twitch going. He's like, <laughs> it's like whoa, whoa, <laughs> just take it easy, man. Just, <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> it was like that. It was like, 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 we're going to lose. <laughs> I got the twitch going. <laughs> Oh man, that show is that's an all time show. Oh, of course. Um, okay, so that's I mean that probably alludes to some of your hot take. My my other hot take is um, more big picture again because that's you know I guess how I like to think about things with this team because I'm a little bit less bullish than you in the short term. Um, I think that by the end of their college careers, Mac will have scored more points than James. Okay, what makes you say that? Um, I think that. The learning curve, as we've talked about for Mac, is obviously far higher. Um, but one thing that's become really apparent to me the more and more I watch is James's size disadvantage. Oh, yeah. And even the difference between six foot and six foot two. It's two inches. No, but it's it's big. Like, you, you know, it's, it, it I think matters, matters a lot more. Yeah. You know, I would say above six foot every inch. Because when you think of the, the average guard size in college basketball, it has to be around 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, 
Yeah, maybe. 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 I was going to say maybe shorter. I mean, the average point guard in the NBA is 6'3". Okay. So I would say college is maybe 6'2", because there are a bunch of studs like Clemens who are 5'9", mm-hmm. bring the average down. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that in a weird way, too, like, I've really liked when I've seen... Oh, that's women's. Why, are, why would you assume women's on the... <sighs> Google. Anyway. What do you um, got against women? Nothing, dude. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I love women. It's just, I don't know. I, I put in, like, men's, too, in the search. So, anyway. Um, I, I've liked seeing Mac run the point, and I don't think it'll ever happen, because as we've talked about, I think James and Mac stay at least as long as each other. Yeah. But... I don't know. I think Mac can score definitely in more ways than James. Uh, even in high school, James was either like pull up mid range jumper or he'd just go left. Um, and it's nice to see him hit threes here, but the fact that he's taking a lot of threes shows that he already can't get his shot off as well as he did in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that with that, I mean, obviously we expect him to end up being a good three point shooter. He's up to 34% now, which is super solid. Um, but I think Mac just has a lot higher upside in terms of his finishing ability, his quickness with the ball. Like, James is quick without the ball, but I think Mac's quicker with the ball in terms of pushing. Um, and honestly, I, I could see, you know, especially with Mac's form, too, he's got, like, a little bit of a high-arcing shot, um, whereas James is a little bit more of a, I don't know, like, a, not a push, but it's just more level. Yeah, um, it's a little flatter. Yeah, like, relies on his legs a lot more, for sure. You can tell that. You can tell how much more leg power he's using in his jump shot now compared to early in the season. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think with Mac, like I said, it's going to take a while. It probably won't even be next year. But I, I could just... I, he's just... That's his instinct, too. You know what I mean? He's just so um, aggressive and such an attacker that I think he could really thrive as like maybe even our second option by the time his junior year or something happens. So I I don't know. That's that's just how I view it. I'm really trying hard to be unbiased because you know how much I love Mac, but yeah, I think it, it, it might be more just because even the shot differential now, it's like James has one more shot a game and also just has the ball in his hands way more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just especially what I've seen from Mac over the last few games. Like I said, he's been shooting 40% from three. He's getting so much smarter with his shots. like, And he just has this ridiculously innate athleticism that I think if you tap into, he'll be able to progress at a much faster rate than James. Even if James starts at a higher level, I, I could see Mac catching up to him eventually. It, I feel like there could be a really interesting narrative eventually of them like being compared to each other. Oh, they could. Maybe easily. even as starting as early as next year. And I, I mean, I don't think that would hurt their relationship, but like they'll be intertwined for sure. They're competitors, and they 100% use their competitive natures to push each other. Yeah, in, in the uh, in their Big East interview with uh, our favorite guy in the world, John Fanta. Oh my God, uh, John Fanta. Excuse me. Um, how dare I disrespect the goat? Um, he took him to New York City, gave him a good slice. Uh, for the first time, I forget where. Little New York flop. Yeah, baby. He, t- he was talking about the flop. He said, he you gotta- <laughs> see if I, I want to see if I can get that clip right now as I talk. But anyway, uh, they were already talking about you know how they had moved in early for um, you know workouts over the summer, and they said they were already like texting each other in the morning, like, "Oh, hey, are you at the gym yet?" Or, "Hey, I'm at the gym. Why aren't you there?" And I mean, that's I, what you gotta have. You gotta yeah. push each other. Yeah. That's what me and my boy Craig do. <laughs> Craig Ox. The Craig Ox. the Ox. Oh, yeah. Or as we've been calling him Princess recently. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. All right, let's see. Hold up. 
Mm-hmm. I'm gonna see if I can get it. You got it? New York pizza, baby! What a sight. Oh, yeah. Three dudes eating pizza, getting filmed by a camera. Oh, <laughs> I'm Dave Portnoy. <laughs> Funny stuff. Oh, All right. yeah. All right, I guess to close out the hot stuff segment, I'll do one. Josh LeBlanc gets a second double-double this weekend. Okay. Not yeah. really like a scorching. Yeah, not piece. scorching. I mean, we don't want to be super scorching with this because, you know, it's a big game. But... It's a big game. I think he's going to ball out. I think he's going to get 12 rebounds and 16 points. Ooh, okay. That's maybe a little hot. Because he doesn't, I mean, we haven't, he still can't create for himself yet. We saw in the Liberty game when he tried to lead the break and then throw the lob to Jesse. I think we're going to see Josh kind of showcase his touch this game. Hmm. Okay. He does have good touch. Yeah. I don't think people really recognize that yet, but especially if he gets the opportunity to work out of the high post a little bit. He's really comfortable around the elbows and the free throw line pulling up on that mid-range shot. I think we're going to see that a little bit this weekend. Hmm. Okay. That would be I would that would be such a welcome sight as his own buster. That's exactly what I was going to say. He gets it near the free throw line. I mean, he shot he made one against uh was it Liberty or was it Richmond? I think it was Richmond. It was his first jumper yes, this year. It was. Yeah. It was it, dude, it looked like a trebuchet. That's oh, what I said in the, the game. It's just the first shot missed, and we were oh, like, yeah. oh, and then he made it, and we were like, ah. Yay, all is right with the world. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, that concludes our Hot Stuff segment. Do you have any uh, concluding remarks before we uh, call it a night? Well, we also want to give our predictions, don't we? Do we really? What do you want? All right, let's do it. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's close it out with a, an official DC prediction. What's yours? All right. Well, for the game, um, I think we get blown out. That's kind of... I don't know why. Bro, you killed my vibe I'm right sorry, now. dude. I'm sorry. It's journalistic integrity. I have to go with my gut. I, um, this might be a little bit of bias from the eye test of what I watched against Syracuse, but I think it's just going to be another reality check of how far we have to come. Um, I don't want to be that guy, right? Good, good we're not watching the game together. But I just think that Syracuse has too many shooters and... Knowing the personalities of Mac and James, they'll try to do too much, turn it over, and you know I could see it being the thing almost similar to Illinois, where they get out to a huge start, and then we just try to claw our way back in. But Syracuse is too good of a team to let us. They're certainly playing like a top twenty-five team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just you're also you were saying about the offense, like I just especially because they're so long and Mac and James aren't. Just getting the passes in, I think, is going to be really tough. I've already seen a couple of times this year from both of them where they try to do that hook pass into Jesse or just lob it over the top to flex it out of bounds. Man. And it's like, that's easy stuff to overlook, but you can't. that's just what I notice. You can't. Like, dude. that's a turnover against someone like, who has majority, a seven-foot wingspan. See, it's so funny because, like, the majority of people that, like, watch basketball, uh, we're, I'm, this is a little bit of a humble brag because the two of us, and we notice this stuff because we love the game so much. And we want to watch it with a critical eye to see different things that the ordinary person wouldn't. And, you know, you gotta be have you got to be a little crazy to see stuff like that. And, you know, we have that in us. We love basketball. Yeah, watch a lot and of it. That was one of the things when I was talking to my broadcast partner. He was asking me. He was running by some of his tools for success. And I said, a big thing for me is, you know, get creative. Georgetown is going to struggle getting the ball in. 
that's a huge thing too. People always say like, oh, it's break two, three, you gotta get the ball into the high post and then you, the defense collapse, you kick it out, you move. Yeah. But people don't really understand how hard it is to get it into the yeah, high post. Yeah, I, I think everybody knows that's what you're supposed to do. It's a whole different idea yeah, to actually the, do the it. The defense knows that's what you're supposed <laughs> to do. So yeah. what are they gonna try to prevent you from doing? Uh, get that the ball. Same thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's going to be hard, but I'm going to try to stay optimistic with this team. Okay. I think that I think they're going to come out ready. I really do. I think Ewing is going to really play this to them. This is it. This is your chance. This is your chance. Nobody respects you right now. You need to go out and show everyone. Yeah. This is what you're made of, and you're not going to roll. You're not going to lie down for anyone under any circumstance. Yeah. You're going to go out there, and you're going to leave everything you have on the line, whether that results in a win or a loss, they'll know that you're a legit team. Yeah. And I think I just think the general makeup of this team will help with that. I think it's close. You know, I'm gonna be optimistic we're winning. Hmm. We're winning. We're covering for sure. Yeah. Whatever what, the hell the spread is. What's the spread right yeah, now? I can I, take a look. I haven't um I actually haven't been able to find it. If I had to no, guess I'd say it's about eight and a half Syracuse. Oh, okay. I yeah. See, I mean, I, I'm not a betting man, but as we um, all know, <laughs> I do enjoy. Yeah. Well, I mean, now. Syracuse has an 86 percent chance to win. See, it's interesting because when you look at the Northeastern game, Syracuse only shot 29 percent from three, but they chucked up 31 shots. Yeah. So if Syracuse is hitting from deep, I mean, I don't see how we really stick with them. I know. But listen. Who knows? I, I think the God f- willing. Yeah, honestly, right? I mean, I'm rooting for it. I'm not going to lie. Maybe but... end the uh, podcast with a prayer. Please, God, keep it close. <laughs> yeah. For someone who's going six hours to Syracuse, I don't want to see a blowout. Yeah. That's. Oh, I'd be so pissed. Yeah. I could, I could picture myself getting a very just depressed Snapchat from you. It's like, oh, it's like well, time. It's like, well, it's like I left. I'm at a bar now. <laughs> I can't watch the rest of the game. Going to the casino tonight. It's like, Dan, aren't you supposed to be broadcasting? Nah, fuck that, dude. I'm changing my career path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's definitely some of my pessimism creeping in, but I don't think we win. Um, Fire nice. We could, yeah, that's how it is. Um, do you want to give score predictions, or is that too petty? A little too petty. I mean, I think the game's going to be high 60s, low 70s. I don't think. I mean, yeah. I think that's a fair. I, I think if we get blown out, we're really only going to score 50 points. Yeah. I think we'll have trouble. If we get blown out, we'll have trouble breaking 60. Yeah. Um, it's just my general consensus. But yeah. uh, before we wrap up, I do have a quick announcement. We have a uh, big podcast coming up next week. We have our first interview. Not going to say who it is yet. Wanted to be a little bit of a surprise, but we got some great stuff coming up for all of you. And second of all, we actually want to say thank you to all the fans, our family, our friends, relatives, because thanks to you guys, DC's Take Five is a nationally charting podcast. We were oh my ready. God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay That, that was kind of just, I'm summing up Dan's uh, reaction a little bit more. Oh my god. <laughs> I got an email from uh, this organization that charts iTunes podcasts, and it said, congratulations, DC's Takes 5 is a ranking podcast nationally in the 
college, high school sports subcategory. We were ranking 88. We climbed up as high to 46. So look at that. We are a nationally charting podcast in a subcategory of a subcategory. Dude, it still counts, man. It does? Yeah. It's, it's... For the what we're looking to be, we are so far ahead of what I ever thought yeah. we could do. It's like the podcast equivalent of dunking on a nine-foot ring. Yeah. You're just like, hey, fuck you. I got it on video. You have the email screenshotted, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you guys, honestly, for all the... You know, love and support so far. I don't know who Ice is, but they left a very nice review for us on the podcast. Also, um, some guy named Carter, like four, five, three, eight. Yeah, I, dude, dude, I wonder who that is, man. <laughs> four, three, seven, five, eight. But who knows, right? That's yeah, not yeah. like the account name I use for everything. Um, it's not like your burner account or anything. <laughs> not, I'm not Alonzo. <laughs> Carter, Carter Owen burner account. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, it's just all Nicks on Twitter. Yeah, I can see that. I have access to the. Um, I wear, you know, for those of you, I, I meditate, so I work for the Meditation Center in Georgetown. I got access to their Twitter, so I'm like, I can go on Twitter now? Oh, boy. It's tough. It's so toxic. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll probably, I can't roll out any tweets because I'm doing it on the back of oh, yeah. stillness and simplicity. But, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you guys again on a more serious note. We really appreciate the support. This is something that we've wanted to, uh, I guess in the past, we've talked about and it was, you know, we were excited, but also really nervous when we first started, um, as you could probably tell by a bits of our first episode. And we're honestly so humbled and grateful to see it taking off the way it has. Um, and I think with this player interview that Dan had mentioned, it's a sign that, like, people are responding well to it. So I, I think we got something here. Yeah. And uh, it's not just going to be your typical standard player interview. We're going to really dive deep into his personality his life outside of basketball, mm-hmm. and what really gets him going as a person. It's something that we don't really think is done enough with athletes, and we want to start bucking that trend. And yeah, man. Letting them kind of explain who they are to the fans who really don't know them more other than guys who step on a court and shoot a basketball. Yeah, I mean, the, the people part comes first, and I think that's something we both realize and value. So we're... Honestly, ecstatic for the progress we've made so far. Yeah, and you know what? It's all thanks to you guys. It is, and we're not we're not settling. We are gunning. We want top ten. We want number one. We want number one in the nation, baby. Yeah, takeoff time. Yeah, let's fucking go. All right, here we yeah. that. We're gonna keep the hot stuff coming out. So yeah, uh, stay tuned. Hoy saxophones. folks.